The antidote. 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 You're listening to the antidote with Dave Hawkins. With Christian music that doesn't suck. for joining The Antidote with Dave Hawkins. I think the only thing that's better than listening to a punk band is listening to two of them, and that's what's in store for tonight. Both bands are newcomers, one with a long history in music, and the second has spent more time with cars than with music itself. To find out who's who, you'll have to hear it all in this pair of interviews. What the bands do share in common is that they both bring fairly aggressive styles to their punk music, and each of their debuts have released through California's Thumper Punk Records. Coming up at the half-hour mark is Joshua Laurie of Cast the Dragon. Our first band led off the night with the song From the Start, from the band's debut EP, The Middleman. My conversation with Dulos comes up right after another of their songs. Enjoy Death Brawl. Live once, born twice, one thing 
The Antidote has Eddie, Melanie, and Noah from Dulos here for a talk. Thanks for coming, guys. Hey, thanks, dude. Hey, yeah, dude. <laughs> What's up, man? How you doing? It's good to be here, man. Dulos is new in the music scene, so what about giving us the creation story of the band? Oh, you oh, want the man. creation? That's pretty, uh, pretty organic, I, the way that happened. We weren't even really jamming out. We were actually a car club and we were just hanging out with you, oh. kind of like dabbling with the idea of actually playing music because I didn't and Eddie didn't and he didn't even like to speak in front of people. And, you yeah, know, so, yeah, terrified of that. And so we went to a show. We were oh, just there yeah. together and I think they completely stereotyped us. I think they were mm -hmm. like, oh, this has to be a band over here. And so we had yeah. Jet Wilson that was doing this channel for YouTube, I guess. And he was like interviewing bands and he comes up to us and he says, hey, can I interview you guys? And I was like, of course you can. You can interview <laughs> us. And he was like, cool, I will be back in a minute. I'm going to interview you guys. And, and I'm like, cool, we'll be right here waiting for you, Jet. So he comes back and he, he starts rolling. And he's like, this is a band. What's your guys' name? And, and we had a car club at that time called Dulos Car Club. And I was like, Dulos. And the guys were looking at me like, what are you talking about? You know? And I was just like, yeah. He goes, well, we're going to be having this event in two months from now over at the House of Rebellion playing a show you guys would be willing to play. And I was like, absolutely. And I mean, little did everybody know that we didn't play anything at all. And and everybody was like, well, how the heck are we going to do this? I'm like, I don't know. We'll figure it out. Well, we got two months. Yeah, we got two months to figure it out. <laughs> So in two months, we wrote like five songs, and Melanie learned how to play three notes. Yeah, and I, yeah. So. And I just learned how to scream on a mic. I don't know. Yeah, and then our drummer was uh, uh, he was a guitarist at that time, right? And Something like he, that. He yeah, was just filling in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, was it was pretty like painful. Yeah, it was painful. It was, yeah, our first show was pretty gnarly, but we had a great time. It was fun. I think it's just kind of like I characterize my childhood pictures with my kids. I'm like, at that time, I thought I was fantastic, yeah. you know, but little did I know that I had Richard, mullet. Yeah. Yeah, mullet <laughs> and a Richard Simmons perm. But at that time, I was perfectly great with that. <laughs> <laughs> Your debut EP released January 28th through Thumper Punk Records. There must be a story behind the title the middleman. Okay. So what we were thinking there, you know, we saw how there's so much conflict um, going on, especially in the scene that we're in. You're either uh, heavy left or heavy right, you know, because we are involved in, in the church and everything like that. We saw how there was such a divide as Christians, you know, we see that, you know, we're called to be there for, for both sides, basically, you know, and, and not to, waver from left to right but to, to be on that straight and narrow and we thought that it was very important for us as the middlemen the, the mediators to be christ for both sides and not to uh favor you know one side or the other you guys brought out this aggressive christian stance on my pledge the sound we make the ground will shake to break the trend to live again free from judgment free from fear my choice to make to stay pure. So you've laid out your own stand on faith with that one, but what about your listeners? Are they accepting? 
Well, I think that this is funny because me and Eddie were actually talking about that. There was a double meaning in that as far as his own conviction to stay pure and how he has to basically put this on himself so that he's able to keep that focus. But if you also hear that there's a lyric in there that states not a weight to put on each other, never Mm -hmm. meant to judge one another. And this is the thing is that we're going to have to do things out of based off of our own convictions and what the Lord puts on our heart. But we have to understand that there's going to be a process for other people through the power of the Holy Spirit that is going to lead them to those convictions on their own. And that has nothing to do with man-made conviction. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And we understand our responsibility as believers and that, you know, we're not going to be able to put that yoke, that weight, so to speak, on other people. You know what I mean? That we have to live by the example Yeah!
I saw a quote from Dulos that said, we're all Christians in this band, but we don't have an agenda to beat people over the heads with. We honestly speak more about our responsibility than that of others. Maybe you guys should define that. Like, what is your responsibility? Um, our responsibility is to be our own selves. You know, we can't project our faith onto other people. We can't project our values onto other people. We can just share our values and our faith with other people and just be that example. But at the same time, you know, we've seen so many times because we've been involved in, with the church for a while where, you know, it was almost you're not living this certain way you're, or you're not acting a certain way. So you must be without, you know, we're trying to say with that is, you know, being a Christian is just be real, be real with yourself. Yeah. Genuine. Be genuine. There you go. You guys are dealing with real topics. What about the Christian music scene as a whole? Is it dealing with reality? I think sometimes it can be taken as, as an artificial world. You know, there's a lot of, uh, fakeness and and that's one thing that we really stand against because your 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 faith should never be fake yeah mm-hmm. uh, you know it should always be real and what's more real than than talking about real things mm-hmm. and and i feel like that's one problem that i have always had with a lot of christian music it was you're just giving me positive but never negative and and there should always be a balance i want to hear a real struggle as a christian because i'm a christian and i'm going through real things so that's what I want to hear. I don't want to hear, you know, your cheesiness and, you know, always be happy, you know, which, which, you know, yeah, I don't want to hear your Christianese because that's not what, that's not what I need right now. No, I'm going to ask you about this one. Okay. Garden Blues is a duo song that really threw me. You guys dropped the hardcore and brought in 80s style punk. What's mm-hmm. up with that? Okay. <laughs> It started as a more punk song. When we first started the band, we leaned a lot into uh, punk rock music because we felt that the punk scene uh, wasn't as um, heavily saturated with uh, Christian band examples. Over time, we've matured a lot of our music, but we've always felt that that song, it really resonated. And I think it really really speaks for itself. And it's also a fun song to play. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny because I thought we were going to be dropping that song a long time ago because we were progressing into a different style and genre of music. But that song was always requested at every show that we Mm -hmm. played. And so it's funny because all the shows that we played, they were secular. For some reason, even in the secular scene, it was highly demanded and it was like it just meant something to people. Well, they liked the sound, and I think they liked that fact that their soul was overwhelmed, too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They didn't know maybe necessarily what exactly that meant, but they knew that they could identify with it. Dulos isn't your typical Christian punk band. These songs aren't all happiness, sunshine, and roses. You know, this is gritty stuff. Well, I think the biggest thing is that... You know, these songs that I, that I write the lyrics to, they deal with real life. They deal with real struggle and real fears and, and, and just real challenges in life. And um, mental health is, is a huge thing. I'm explaining my struggle. So by explaining my struggle, I'm trying to reach out to other people through these lyrics, you know, that might be dealing with the same thing. And um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? 
Well, to identify. Identify what exactly. Yeah, because we're in our own home dealing with our own head noise and we're dealing with our own mental illness and the fact that we're in a 20-year marriage and having to be encapsulated during COVID and a lot Mm. of times we don't like each other, you know? (laughs) You know, and how do we love each other if we don't even love ourselves? Mm-hmm. It's just a real thing. And I mean, it's funny because in that lyric, there's only one little part in there that even relates to our faith at all. It's just the one lyric that states, you know, there's one thing that I never forget. And that's going to be leading person to be like, okay, well, what is it? What is it that you never forget? <laughs> mm-hmm. And then he just goes straight into the struggle. This is Dulos from Riverside, California. I'm Rebel Mel. I'm Ed Boy. I'm Dr. No. And you're with The Antidote. It's pretty rare to have a long punk song. That was Garden Blues from Dulos. Artists can reveal quite a bit about their personal life in their songs. That comes up on the next part of our talk. What does your local punk scene think of Dulos? <laughs> you know, surprisingly, we're very well received. Yeah. You know? They have us play a lot of shows that we're like, oh, you really want us to play? Okay. You sure? You sure? <laughs> um, I think that is because of the positive aspect we bring. We love playing with these bands. We love having fellowship. We love, you know, just supporting other bands and, and just uh, um, venues and everything like that. So it's the light of Christ, really. That's what it, what it is. Yeah, I think it's also us just being an example and loving them for who they are, just like how Christ loves us when we first meet him. Yeah, and then I have to interject and say, Mm -hmm. because a lot of these people have watched me over the last 25 years, and they remember who I was back in the day, 
and they see where I've come today. And so they're genuinely curious as to what it is that's changed in my life, but also knowing that I'm still the same person when it comes to how much I love them. You know what I mean? I want to support them in everything they do as well. And so I think that's the cool thing about the punk scene is that they've been so genuine in the love for me since I was a little kid and they've always taken me for who I am. And um, they understand that, you know, I don't apologize for where I stand. And so just like they have a microphone that they want to yell about stuff, I'm going to do the same thing and uh, they can take it or leave it. People just want to talk about real stuff, you mm -hmm. know? I mean, we can have normal conversations with people and everything doesn't have to have an agenda. You know, I think that's the biggest thing is that in ministry, people think that you're going to lead somebody to Christ by always having the next Bible verse available when really people just want to talk to you mm -hmm. about real experience and they want to talk about just like their daily struggle and they want to talk about music you know and i think that's the biggest thing is that you know if it's going to come to that it's going to happen on its own and that we realize that sometimes it takes two and three years for us to see the same person at shows over a long duration of time before we even get into that conversation and mm -hmm. that it builds it's not, anything it's not on our time it's the lord's time yeah exactly Warhead is the closing song on The Middleman. And Eddie, I'm guessing this is coming from you. You get personal on this song. This right. meaningless of life I want to wipe away. These liquid bandages will never stop the pain. Was alcohol a long-time problem for you? Um, I'm talking about mental illness and addiction from my past, from people that I've dealt with, you know, my family members. Um, so I, I'm speaking not only from myself, but from the perspective of just somebody that's going through addiction. But yes, addiction has, it's played a, a heavy role in, in my life. And sobriety is, is something that's very important to me because I believe that, uh, you know, to be sober-minded, that's it's something that's very important to, to my walk. It was something that I was fighting against because... It deals with addiction and suicide. That's what that song is talking about. And we've we've lost so many really good friends to both. And just recently, we've lost um, some really close Christian brothers to suicide. It's that thing that in the church that we want to keep on sweeping under the rug and we don't want to deal with it until it comes to a head. Then what do we do with that at that point? What do we do when, when there's a pastor that kills himself? How do we handle that? It's those things that we need to deal with as Christians, as a church. You know, these are real things, you know, and we can't we can't just hide from them. What it is, is that you have people that don't know how to balance themselves on either direction. Either you don't want to talk about mental illness or you totally want to talk about it. And the left and the right on that is one stance is absolutely you, you know, shouldn't take medication and you know if you take medication you're not trusting in the lord you're not being sober-minded and then you have the other side that has completely built a platform that medication is totally fine and it was given to us by the lord and it was a, it's a tool and and that's the thing is that you know they're not allowing that platform to be you know ministered by the holy spirit you know i've been diagnosed with bipolar manic depression since I was 12 years old. And honestly, a lot of people just think I have a 
quirky personality because I don't really talk about it all that much because I think that it's one of those things where I talk about it when it's necessary. You know, I think that everything has a time and a place where it needs to be there. And then there are times where it just doesn't. How about summing up Dulos? What do you want to achieve as a band? Uh, honestly, we just want to make music. And we also just want to be able to share the love of Christ through the scene. And whether that be either talking to people one-on-one or playing it through our music. Uh, but that's just the biggest thing is having fun and sharing the love of Christ. And just with everything that, that comes together with it, you know, and be able to just play music, have fun, and, and to be real, be the light, and be an example. Yeah, I think, you know, I came into it with selfish reasons. I, I wanted to play music and I wanted to go, you know, and be in the scene with people that I loved. And whatever came from that, I knew that it was going to bear fruit. Something that I never asked, doulos, what does the word mean? Okay, so the word doulos is a Greek word. Um, it, it stands for a bond servant. It's a freed servant. It's serving on, on your own will. Uh, they would uh, take somebody that was freed from their servitude, and if they loved their master, uh, they would continue to serve. So what they would do is they would... Uh, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Like they, they were um, a bond. Servant. A bond. Ser- they were they were bound to their servant until death, on their own free will. Because the servant was able to care for them better than they could care for themselves. Yeah. Now you've got me really confused. Why would you name a car club after a <laughs> bond servant? <laughs> you've messed with me totally. Uh, before I was a believer. Lowriders and, and just that whole scene, you can really idolize your vehicle and you can really give your life over to that whole lowrider scene, that whole gangster scene. So what I was trying to say with uh, Dulos is, is we're no longer bound to these, these material things. We're no longer bound to just way of life. Now we, we have a different agenda. We're bound to the Lord. We're bound to Christ. So uh, I, to me, that just made sense. <laughs> I'm a Canadian. We don't understand lowriders because in Canada, <laughs> you always want to know what's the ground clearance on this vehicle. Because when you're driving through the snow, you got to have enough clearance. There's no snow there's here. There's no snow here. So we, there's no ground clearance. We, <laughs> we, we, we drag them. We lay, it's called laying frame. We want as low as we can go. Well, guys, I really appreciate this. Thanks for coming and bringing your music. Righteous. Thank for you sure. for having Thank us, you so brother. Much. Thank you.
Warhead from The Middleman, the debut from Dulos. Now it's time for our second punk artist. If you're a music aficionado, you're bound to recognize the names and bands Joshua Laurie mentions during our talk. But we're here to get the music. What you'll find out from the song This Love is that the sound of Cast the Dragon is far from typical. It's great to have Joshua Laurie of Cast the Dragon here on The Antidote. Thanks for coming, Joshua. Thank you for having me. Cast the Dragon may be a new project, but you've been in the music scene forever. So I don't know, will you right. give your age away if I ask how many years it's been? Um, I started uh, around 90, well, my first band I'd say was 93. I started playing in 91, so I'm turning... 45 here this month, so. <laughs> so you don't mind giving your age away? Not at all. Now, how about your wife? Does she feel the same way about that? Um, yeah, she's eight years younger than me, so I don't think she minds. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, though, you do have a big music background. You care to yeah. explain? Um, well, let's see. I got into my first band. My brother was in a band, and they kicked their bass player out and told me to get a bass, and I had the notes taped down the neck, played everything on the E string and kind of was off and rolling right away and writing songs. And I haven't really stopped since then. Uh, I've been in all kinds of various styles of bands and projects. And, um, most of it was around the Christian music scene. I was also, uh, so growing up where I did in the Bay area, San Francisco, Oakland Bay area, I was also part of the punk rock scene that was down there where 
bands like Green Day and Rancid all came out of there. Uh, I saw them all before they were famous. Um, so I was a big part of that scene. Either I was either in a Christian band or in somebody's punk band playing bass. So I was a lot of times in two or three bands at a time. And uh, just met a lot of people. We had a Christian venue that was run by Frank Tate, who did 5-Minute Walk Records. Oh, yeah. Uh, so it was before he did that. And um, it was called The Scream. It was in Concord, California. And at the time, he was managing the prayer chain in the 77s. And uh, I would help run sound a lot uh, with Misaki Lou, who produced a lot of the Five Iron Frenzy records. And uh, he was the guitar player in Dime Store Profits, good friend of mine. Met a lot of bands and stuff back then, made a lot of connections. So it just kind of been rolling since the 90s. I've been doing things. So The artistic era of Christian music. Oh, gosh. That was an amazing time. Really, really was. That venue was uh, in a school cafeteria. The church that Frank went to, um, they bought a school out, I guess, and um, that's where they had their church, but they used the old cafeteria, had a stage. So that was the venue, and um, it would hold about 500, 600 kids, and most shows were packed out. Yeah, it was a really good time, a lot of great memories back then. Amazing. Okay, tell us the Christian projects that you were involved with. So um, most of them were kind of local bands in my scene. Nothing really uh, made it. Um, I did play in Masaki's band called Rivulets and Violets. It's kind of a dream pop kind of band. Um, I played a couple shows with him, and then uh, I moved away for a while. Kind of fast forward, I was in um, just a lot of various punk bands. Most of them were not Christian um, around 2006, I started talking to Michael Knott. Oh, online, yeah. And um, I commissioned him to do a painting for me and started talking to him and was like, hey, I have a recording studio if you ever want to do anything. And uh, we ended up doing an LSU record together called PTSD. Oh, yeah. Um, came out in 2009, I believe. And uh, from then on, I started working with him quite a bit. After that album, we did one called Heaven High by Lifesavers. And then we did an EP called Songs from the Feather River Highway that was a Mike Not solo release. Uh, we did a live DVD and album um, where we did the entire Rocket of the Bomb record, kind of an anniversary thing. Um, put a band together and did that. And uh, then I just I helped them recently re-release Waking Up the Dead on vinyl. While that was going on, I was starting to uh, do my own stuff. I've had a few projects that I've just released by myself, uh, one called Western Grace. Then Cast the Dragon kind of started happening. That one, I, um, the original demo I did, I played all the instruments on it. And uh, I liked the songs, but didn't like how they came out. So I uh, contacted Jim Chaffin, who was from Crucified and Blamed, and he played on PTSD from LSU with us, so he was into playing drums, and uh, yeah, it just kind of went from there, I guess.
well, you've kept Cast the Dragon in the punk vein, but it's yeah. still different from most of the punk bands that you hear. Yeah. A lot of early, like, Ramones and The Damned influence a lot of that old 70s punk, and then uh, some hardcore 80s stuff kind of mixed in there. Some goth influences and stuff I've had over the years, so... And uh, what's what's called horror punk, which, uh, like, the Misfits and bands like that, that's the term. But uh, I don't consider my band totally horror punk, because horror punk bands, a lot of times, they have a character, wear costumes, and... Uh, all the songs are about horror movies and subjects like that, and I, I don't really get into that. So. You do have one song that could fall into that, one that I've really gotten into, Through the Black. Okay, you know, yeah. And it's probably because the synth style takes me back to the stuff the Deadlines recorded. So yeah. lyrically, it is that type of horror punk. Yeah, in a, in a sense, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I was going to have... Um, Sean Browning, who's wretched, and Grave, the band Grave Robber, he was going to play guitar on the album, but we were unable to work that out. But he uh, connected me with Scott Shaw from Leper, who did the keyboards on the record and stuff. And explain to people that aren't familiar with Leper, who is really probably more goth than horror end of it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Very goth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a great guy. had a comment that was attached to the album release that ties into the song it's supernatural you'd said it's sad how some people can't look past denominations doctrine eschatology cosmology and theology to see the good fruit in others <laughs> with a different interpretation than their own i sometimes thought that christians can become too cloistered should the church be truly universal um I think there's so much to offer from 
so many of the denominations and stuff. Um, and a lot of this is we're, we're going to find out the ultimate truth when we've passed and are in heaven and everything's revealed to us. You know what I'm saying? Like my thoughts and ideas of uh, my faith have changed so much throughout the years. And I, I can't just sit and nail down. This is how it is. You know, these are the, the absolutes and answers to certain, certain aspects of it. And there, there are absolutes with uh, who Jesus is and who God is and the Holy Spirit and that. Just being on any social media, the arguing that goes amongst our brothers and sisters, it's just, it's its heartbreaking sometimes, really, and it's its tough. Then what were your intentions with the album? Like, what point were you trying to get across with it? Um, well, uh, I guess it depends on the song. There's just a lot of, um, just trying to tap into that supernatural side of it. It's not of the flesh. I mean, you kind of have to step outside of that. You were born again. You were like a child of the Most High God. Um, it's, uh, you know, thinking about God's kingdom and His will. And uh, I went through a lot of, like, kind of heavy spiritual warfare stuff, and I know not everybody goes through that. Uh, I had what was called sleep paralysis. The song Scream Out His Name, that really touches on that sleep paralysis it's kind of a demonic attack pretty much and i had it for a lot of my life i mean i'm talking well over 30 years of of my life from childhood through adulthood and stuff it's pretty much freezing up like you're awake you know something's happening to you and it it does not feel good it's it's a darkness that's in the room with you that all stopped for me about six years ago when I, I finally was able to utter Jesus's name out because uh, I grew up going to church, but I definitely drifted away around the time I was in my early 20s and got into a lot of uh, a lot of new age stuff and uh, just went down a, a wrong path. And I think I opened doors and uh, let some things in I shouldn't have and lived if I had bought. I was fixing it up before her and my children moved up from where we were at. And um, one of these attacks happened, and I was able to, to get Jesus's name out, and it stopped since then, and that, that really got me back on track to where I'm at now. Josh Laurie spoke about two songs from Cast the Dragon. Let's hear them both. First, it's Supernatural, then Scream Out His Name.
Hey, this is Josh Laurie from Cast the Dragon, and you are tuned into The Antidote. that anybody would ever call Annihilate the Adversary an easy listening album. No. <laughs> because you pulled out all the stops, like songs like No NWO or New World Order, where it says, I'm a pacifist till I get pissed. Then I'll pacifist in righteousness because I'm right in this unrighteous mess of unholiness. Lately, I've been hearing more talk about New World Order because of how governments are handling the pandemic. Was that what you were aiming for with the song? Yeah, I would say so for sure. There's definite things going on. When you when you go down the rabbit trails of things like uh, Bohemian Grove, and um, that's that's out in California. Um, I think people, if they go and research, they'd see what I'm talking about. But there's, there's an occult aspect to what a lot of people in government do, and they keep it kind of secret, but it's uh it's kind of in plain sight too i mean if you if you look for it you'll you'll see what some of these people are into it's not how they portray themselves in public the lives that they're living behind the scenes it's easy to see what they're doing when you delve in and go down those rabbit trails and look
that was no NWO from Annihilate the Adversary, Cast the Dragon's debut release. If you're into this kind of music, you have to go to the Bandcamp page for Thumper Punk Records. They have releases from dozens of great punk bands like Cast the Dragon and Dulos. Next week's guest on The Antidote comes with a big music background, a perfect voice, and as Sharif Aman calls it, chocolate rock. Join us for that. Well, I saved my favorite song from Cast the Dragon to close up The Antidote. Enjoy this and have a great week. Well, you got to tell me, how are Christians reacting to this? Because again, as I said, it's not a comfortable album. Um, so far, pretty good. I'm, you know, waiting to see what, what happens down the road. It's all been word of mouth right now. So my little niche of bands and stuff, there are people I know that are already into this. So they're, they, they're enjoying it and liking that there's a punk band talking about these subjects because there's not really been a whole lot of that. Maybe Scattered Few would be the only band I could think of in Christian punk rock that's ever gone into subjects like this. But so far, I've had really good response. People have been really liking the album a lot. So so there's been no hate mail happening? Not yet. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm prepared for that. I know how it gets. Uh, I approach it with, you know, as loving as I can with people and try to have good fruit, just represent God and do the best I can with that. Well, speaking of God, you finished Annihilate the Adversary with The Beginning and the End. And that took me by surprise because effectively... It's a worship song. Yeah, so uh, I, I'm waiting to hear, will you be singing this at church? Uh, it's possible. I mean, because I, <laughs> I play in a worship band at my church, I've thought about uh, kind of reworking it more to that environment and stuff and seeing how it goes over. That was the last lyrics I wrote for the album, and I really wanted to have that foundation of that's the answer to all the problems that I cover on the record. This has been a cool talk about Cast the Dragon. Thanks for coming, Joshua. Thank you for having me.